This very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by our generous listener supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you appreciate what we do and would like to join them, go to dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, and thank you for this 73rd bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, as I often am, and I'm joined today by the lovely, talented, and scholarly Brittany Page. We are excited for this conversation that we had with our internet friend, at Team Ian, on Twitter. At Team Ian. On the Twitter machine. I would say, so I've been on Twitter for 10 years now, yes, and shortly after I signed up for Twitter, I somehow found Ian, and I followed him, and he followed me back, and I liked his tweets. He's always been a very funny guy, and he... And luckily, fucking smart guy. Yes, very smart guy, and back in the day, we were... Back in the day. (laughs) 10 years ago... (laughs) We were very much on the same page related to political issues, but also atheism. Yeah. And the interesting thing about Ian is we all kind of have been on the same path with our atheism uh, over the past 10 years without really being close to one another, right? Because yeah, we're just not kind of being close at all. We're just watching each other via Twitter. And we've all been on kind of this similar trajectory with. Um, atheism and that is being very staunchly atheist and then kind of moving away from the new atheist yeah, community kind of distancing um w- ourselves from the most toxic aspects of it, or what has become quite toxic right which happened pretty quick i mean it, yeah. it only took going to like the first atheist meetup <laughs> For things to really start like shifting. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But that's a story for another day. That <laughs> is a story for another day. We had our first bonus episode with Ian and it was really great. He um, is studying. Studied. He's done now. Yeah, he's he's done. But at the time when we had him on the show, he was still in his graduate program. And it's just interesting to hear his perspective on world events and politics in the United States. And as he continues to work in his field, we'll get into that in the actual conversation with him. We're excited to see um, the changes that he can make. I do want to say kind of preemptively, there's a moment during the conversation where I'm like, are you going to change the world? (laughs) And I like do a dick laugh, you know? (laughs) And well, uh, I did not mean for it to come off that way. No, and no one's going to take it as you being a dick. When I said it, I was like, why am I being like, I said it like a dick hole. And I really <laughs> didn't mean for it to come out like that. Yeah. Um. So just be aware of that. That well, I'm, People would think I'm the dick hole. They're thinking, oh, I was just Brittany being funny. Yeah. Well, I know because I genuinely believe that 
Ian does want to change things and that he he can do that. He has the power to do that. He's yeah. intelligent and he is passionate about this stuff. Um, That's what strikes me is he really cares. Yeah. And yeah. we need more people who care. Let me say this. If you... He's a good follow on Twitter. If you Absolutely. Like, if you like snark and you like a quick wit, uh-huh. but then you also like um, somebody who's, who is smart, who is has an intellect, mm-hmm. at Team Ian, we're sitting here, it's a fucking commercial for at Team Ian. This episode brought to you by Team Ian <laughs> on the Twitter. Yeah. Well, this is us just having a very loose conversation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we didn't really have a plan for the conversation. It just kind of went where it went, and we talked about what came to us. So this is a little bit different than our other bonus episodes. Yeah, he's not selling a book or anything. Right. Yeah. It's just kind of having this conversation with somebody we really like. I think it's awesome. I think you'll enjoy it. Yes. So here it is. So at Team Ian on the Twitter, how are you, sir? Oh, friends, I'm well. How are you both? Return visit. Mm-hmm. This is a this is an uh, auspicious occasion. Doesn't happen all the time. I'm honored to be a returning <laughs> champion. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, so what has been going on in the life of Ian? We know you were a at grad school at uh, a prestigious mm-hmm. higher education institution. Yes. Are you uh, are you donezo with that? What's going on? Uh, I am. T- yes, I'm done with uh, I'm done with grad school. Many, uh, many of the most famous war criminals have gone through the those wonderful hallways. <laughs> and I'm glad to join my name to that honored list. Yeah, th- <laughs> funny. The other day I was watching. I don't know. Was it on TV, Brittany? Mm-hmm. Something some professor. Came- oh, yeah. He was a talking head on like fucking CNN. OK. And I'm like, this guy is wrong about every fucking thing he's saying. Mm-hmm. And then it popped up, Professor Georgetown University. Uh-oh. So I, I messaged Ian, mm-hmm. DM'd him on Twitter. I'm like, do you know this fucking guy? And uh, hilarity ensued because he, <laughs> he does know the guy. Yeah, well, no, he's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and his famous article, it was called something like, why it's time to bomb her on yeah what's the guy's name oh it's craning i think yeah yeah it's something like that it's like steve craning or something it it doesn't matter i fucking hate him and sorry wait i can swear right of course do you not listen to the show yeah what the fuck is going on yeah no i forgot i forgot jesse exists Mm -hmm. (laughs) there Uh, we go (laughs) i am a thing you know no i know i'm so sorry matthew uh cronin cronin Cronin, yeah yeah matthew cronick and yeah, it's time to bomb Iran was his one of his stupid famous articles that like, and then the Iran deal happened, and then he, I think he wrote a follow up that said it's still time to bomb Iran. So uh, uh, you know, he was on uh, with Fareed Zakaria. That's what it was. Anyway, what a great way to start the show. Well, so All let's fucking... say let's say what your what your major was. What did you study? Oh yeah, so I have a master's degree in security studies with concentration, dual concentration in international security and uh, terrorism and substate violence. Nice. So um, I know that you. So not I, theater tech. Yeah. <laughs> you you often make comments about um, your frustrations with the the people that you were around in the program and maybe some of the professors leading the, oh, the teaching in the program. Yeah. Were you expecting something different or did you kind of know what you were getting into, but you're hoping to change the world and, and change uh, everyone's perspective on it? So kind of like 
you know, I went to just like a, like an average undergrad college and I thought like, you know, I worked really hard and I got into kind of an elite school and I kind of thought like, okay, the, these, the, the quality people are going to be really smart and engaging. And, you know, this is good. This is, these are sort of grooming the future, the future kind of kingmakers of the world. Like this is, this is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I get there and like, it's just very obvious very soon that like, Oh no, these people are really dumb too. It's just that their parents are rich. Mm-hmm. And like that's that's really the difference. Yeah. Um I'm laughing you know, for- I'm laughing my ass off here because you if if you had Britney's voice, you would be describing Britney's um the exact situation with her going into grad school. Yeah, because I have my master's in clinical psychology. And um, when I was before I went into the program, I was so excited. I'm like, oh, finally, I'm going to be surrounded by people who just live and breathe psychology. And they're just so invested in reading about this and educating themselves. And I get in there and that was rare to encounter someone who was actually invested in it. You know, it was kind of just skating by and um, not actually doing the readings and things like that. And I have always been um, a consumer of everything. I mean, I'm always reading. I'm always trying to learn and grow. And I was hoping that I would encounter other students like that in, in grad school. And then that didn't happen for the most part. Yeah. I mean, like there are, I mean, there are pockets and there are some people in there that are going to be very smart and of course. engaging. And yeah. those are the ones, you know, I assume knowing you that you gravitated towards. Yeah. But, you know, for instance, I this dipshit that we knew and sort of loathed, he's from Jamaica and he's like one of, he, he must be from like the Jamaican ruling class. And he literally just wrote an article that got published in, I think it was the spectator, which is one of those right wing, uh, yeah. like British mags. And it was basically talking about like, it was just this incoherent thing about how like not only are reparations bad and shouldn't happen, but actually slavery is good. Was so it's not that slavery was good, but like he exists because he's a part African heritage, so therefore he can't be upset with an institution that happened. And actually, like he benefited directly from slavery, so therefore uh, don't do reparations. It's just it's an incoherent, just idiotic article. Wow! And it's it's like, oh, why do I share a degree with him? Yeah. He, and he was in your cohort? Oh, yeah. God damn. So what are you kind of envisioning for your future? What do you what do you hope is going to happen? What do you hope you can do? That's a, <laughs> wow. And begin. Yeah. <laughs> and tell us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So right now uh, I'm working. Uh, I'm working on government consulting. Uh, I'm in the clearance process. It's taking forever. It's, you know, People have said it could take multiple years. So, I, you know, as I sort of like maintain what's left of my sanity going through that, uh, I think I want to, for whatever reason, I still think I want to like keep working in the government on a policy level and maybe hopefully affect it ever so slightly. And then if that fails and I burn out or God forbid I don't get my clearance, which just sometimes happens. Uh, who knows? <laughs> we'll it, see. It is. Um, it's a shitty kind of uh, a situation we have here where we've got an administration that with reams of people who don't qualify for security clearance, but get it overridden and then have it approved where a guy like you who earnestly wants to help, who is a genuinely decent guy mm-hmm. is at risk 
I mean, it, I think it's going to happen, but it's it's up in the air. You're like, oh, you know, sometimes shit happens and you don't right. get your clearance. That's yeah. that's, that's shitty, yeah. man. Yeah, and this this might shock you both, but apparently the Trump administration is a little bit like they don't quite have their shit together in terms of the clearances. <laughs> and so uh, we're at like a two-year backlog. Oh, wow. So... That's yeah. shocking, Ian. Right. Yeah, I know. I'm shocked I know. by that. Well, you know, know. Like, why it is, is because they are wasting their time on the malicious 18 angry Democrat witch hunt, Ian. Yeah. It's, that's why. They're, oh, they're yeah. so busy. Well, and, and he's busy making deals, right? Like, <laughs> wow. So, you know, he only has so much time. There's so many deals to be made. He is. He is. He knows the art of the deal. So. Yeah. Oh. All yeah. hail emperor god trump so we've often talked about you and uh your your twitter account which is just a great twitter account to follow and if you, again if you're not following at team ian on twitter you definitely need to do that because there are several days during the week where i kind of find myself feeling down and sad and then i open my twitter and i see ian has responded to somebody oh yeah and i start laughing out loud at my desk and it just really uplifting well it's you know? fucking it's fucking snark extraordinaire yeah. i love it because it's impressive stuff it's also smart because i have to go back there oftentimes i have to like look up what you're referencing and you know it takes you, you add uh to the compendium of what little little knowledge i have knocking around in my goddamn pumpkin head so oh so well, we thank you sir you're, you're both too kind it's you know it's you know i i you know, you didn't directly say it, but, you know, you implied you thanked me for my service. And I, you know, <laughs> I appreciate it. You are the true hero. Exactly. So we, we, we also share in common kind of an interest in the the rise in white nationalism and that danger that faces us all. Um, yeah. Where do you see? I mean, we've talked about that last time a lot, I think. I mean, we went into kind of, you know, international relations and shit like that. But that's also something we've talked about. Where do you see that? I mean, it's. I think the, the the answer is pretty obvious. You know that it's on the rise. But um, are you seeing a a conclusion to that rise anytime soon? No, I mean, I. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting way to phrase it. I don't. I no is the short answer. I mean, the, the problem with white nationalism, the problem with any sort, you know, and fascism, and sort of all the. The connected ideologies is they uh, they mutate pretty well pretty quickly and um, you know it is very surreal to think of that like the American Nazi Party's personal candidate is still the president of the United States and we have white nationalists you know sympathizing people in power directing policy and. You know, it's funny. I've, I've been interested in this uh, since I was a kid, since the 90s. I remember HBO had a slew of documentaries about like skinheads and things like that. But the 90s with with like Ruby Ridge and, and some of and and, uh, and some of the other kind of and obviously Oklahoma City, there was there was there was a lot of interest in white nationalism. It was bubbling up before Oklahoma City sort of squashed it for about 10 years. But I remember watching those documentaries and being really freaked out and thinking like, oh, this is, this is horrible. How could this happen now? And then I, I went back to them like 10 years later and sort of in my mid twenties and I watched them like, oh, these guys are pathetic. This is so like, why was I ever worried? 
And then, you know, 10 years later, like everything that these people could have possibly wanted has essentially happened. Yeah. Right. Like, and while, you know, you know, because of things like Charlottesville, like maybe some of their momentum has been quashed and, uh, you know, because of some no deplatforming, so we're seeing some of their luminaries get stopped, but like, you know, organized parties across Europe are stronger than ever. Uh, I saw some awful poll not that long ago that said that if a new election were to happen in France, the Le Front National, which is the... Le Pen. As, yeah, Le Pen, which I'm sure, you know, your listeners are smart, but, I, but I'm sure they know that Le Pen is is a fascist and Le Front National is the direct, uh, the direct successor to the Vichy French government, which was the Nazi puppet state. Like, so... These are scary times. Well, I, I would I would say this, that it is certainly um, I, I do equate it to, you know, kind of the way the a terror outfit would would operate. And when you have a large state like um, terror organization like like uh, ISIS, it's a little easier to, to, to battle head on. But when you have the way that Al Qaeda kind of decentralized and you've got several different you know, the heads of, you know, this, the, the, the cells, that's kind of what we've got right now with these, what they're calling lone wolves, which are just led by the ideology, inspired by the ideology. We may have um, taken out some of these leaders and they're not as popular anymore, but we have more deaths at the hands of the, ide the these people carrying this ideology around in their head than ever before. So it's, for me, it's. Yeah. I think it's the the number one threat, security threat in the country, f far and above what we would face from from Islamism. Well, I mean, I, it's for. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Bernie. No, it's okay. I, I was just going to say that I think one of the interesting things is that, um, you know, back in the '90s, like you referenced Ruby Ridge, and I don't know if you listened to that new podcast from Slate, Ian. Um, I think it was called Standoff, and it was about Ruby Ridge. And obviously, for the, the listeners who don't know, this was a an 11-day standoff with a white supremacist named Randy Weaver in Northern Idaho, and he ended up becoming um, a hero of the white nationalist, white supremacist movement. He became a hero, not just of that specific movement, but also kind of separatist conservatives like my parents. Yeah. I grew up thinking that guy was like a, the the, the whole white supremacist angle was, mm -hmm. was just whitewashed away, was just gone. Yeah, well, and that happened in 1992. And then my parents actually moved us from California to Idaho um, in 1993. So a year later, so that we could be closer to Aryan Nations, which was located in northern Idaho at the time. And something that's fascinating to me is that in the 90s, a lot of the white supremacist, white nationalists that you would see um, were not like the people that you saw in Charlottesville, right? They were um, low SES, um, yeah. not a lot of opportunity. Um, some might use the term like hillbillies to yeah, describe them. White trash. Um, and now you're, I mean, you had Pat Buchanan back then, of course, and things like that. You did have the people in the suits as well. Right, but, the paleo conservatives. But now you see that it's more often um, people who don't look like that who yeah. don't talk like that khakis, they are educated khakis in a white polo they have opportunities you know and i think that that has been a scary thing to witness is that it isn't just the fringe people who don't have any powers now it's moving into the hands of people who are educated capable and have power yeah i mean 
I have so many thoughts. Uh, one, <laughs> well, I mean, like, and it, you know, going back to to Ruby Ridge, like, the, like, there's some interesting stuff about that. Like, it it it, it was such an interesting test kit, or it, it makes sense that people kind of were inspired by him a bit because, like, in some ways, he did kind of get a raw deal in many ways. A, I don't, I, a, a ton, they shot his fucking wife while she was holding a baby. The the the, the government for sure overstepped. Um, yep. and and he was probably entrapped in the first place. Yes, right. Like the, the reason they were trying to arrest him is some is the government agent tried to sell them weapons. Yeah, well, two uh, things can be it can be true at the same time that he could have been fucked over, but he was also a, a racist piece of he shit. He was also a race a racist piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But it is sort of interesting that like there 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 is both. Um, I think you're right, Brittany, about the, the. I mean, you're definitely you're you're absolutely right in terms of like they look different, right? Like that, these people aren't skinheads. They're not, you know, tatted up. They're not living kind of in Idaho and kind mm-hmm. of things. But they don't look like the skinheads that were at my house. <laughs> I do want to ask questions about that, but I'll I'll hold my tongue for a minute. But um, but I, I will say this: a lot of their followers, what they do have in common, I would argue, with sort of the skinheads that were at your house is at least the followers, <laughs> not necessarily the ringleaders. Uh-huh. They're like, yes, they, they come from middle class or upper middle class. They come from the suburbs. They come from more densely populated places. Mm-hmm. But they are more downwardly mobile, right, than they were a generation ago. And I think that that speaks a little bit to to sort of the to society at large right now, right? For large swaths of people, they're doing worse than their parents. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if you have a downwardly mobile dominant group of people that were historically like the dominant population, dominant group who they can look to their parents to do better and their grandparents do better. That's unfortunately a, uh, a horrible that that creates the horrible situation for radicalization. Right. Well, it's also, it's just a recipe for who can we blame for this? Mm-hmm. It's certainly yeah. not my fault. Oh, it's yep. the people who look different than me. Right. It's the people who are new to the country. That's why yeah. America's changing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's fascism one one. Right? And then of course we have fucking. That doesn't make you a racist. It makes you smart. It makes you an American. That doesn't make you racist. That makes you smart. That makes you an American. We have this right. fucking guy who is giving acceptability. He's making it uh, palatable. Mm-hmm. Some of these views, and then also not just Donald Trump. You have morons like uh, PewDiePie on YouTube. Who package, who package, I mean, he might not be an all out, I don't know, he could be, but he, you know, very well couldn't, you know, isn't. Um, he, 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 it's like an entry into making fun of people for their skin color with this whole battle with that fucking Indian YouTube channel mm-hmm. doing music videos where he's, it's racist fucking music videos he's making. I mean, mm-hmm. It's, yeah, there's, it doesn't it doesn't help. He looks like Hitler youth. Yes, it, it's uh, that is <laughs> that is an element as well. No, I, I think I think you're. I mean, like, look, like one of the one of like the kind of traditional elements of fascism, right? Is like it, it's a response to populist anger, right? It's a response to some legitimate grievances, and uh, you know. People are upset they don't have work or the work isn't as good as it used to be. They don't, they're not making money. And then so people 
you know, that's why I would argue that, you know, people like Bernie Sanders are starting to get popular because you have a whole millennial generation that, you know, leave school, a ton of debt, don't have jobs right away. And the jobs they do have terrible hours, not great pay, et cetera, et cetera. So you have this legitimate populism occurring. And so as a way to react against that, the fascists say, well, you're right, things are worse, but it's not because of us. It's not because of like the way society is or it's not the way that you know, elites have, have set up the economy or anything like that. It's actually because of these brown people that are coming in the South and those are the problems. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a very old fail safe, uh, fail ideology. Well, it's an un- unfortunate thing that it works so well, but it does work yeah. very, very well. You know, Donald Trump wages are down. Well, here's what I'll do. I'm going to start a fucking t- trade war with tariffs, which what's that do? Well, drives wages down and people get laid off their fucking jobs because the end, the end result is, is prices going up because of the fucking anyway. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it, it is. It's frustrating because we're working against. We're also working against a party that is, um, you know, I fucking I love the poorly educated, and they want to keep people poorly educated. They don't want people to learn because if they can keep them illiterate, whether it be financially illiterate, economically I- illiterate, they're able to control them by, you know, hide the ball. Oh no, it's the it's the brown people, it's the black people, it's the welfare people. It's not us. It's not the fact that we're not putting policies in place that are making the country fucking better. Oh, I'm in a rage. So you said you had questions for Brittany. I'm actually, I'd love to flip the script and have you ask Brittany some questions. That would be. Do you mind? I mean, I don't want to. No, are you kidding me? That'd be fantastic. What are these questions? (laughs) Well, can can I, I'm I'm really fat. I mean, like I know basically your, 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 the the contours of your story, but Mm -hmm. what I'm really interested in is like your fan. Like I know your family was, what were your grandparents like? Like what, like I'm kind of interested in how your parents were radicalized. Cause I imagine, I don't know. I don't know if your parents were baby boomers, if they were younger mm-hmm. um, or what, but I don't know. Like I imagine it's not typical that people who like were alive during world war two were Nazis, right? It's their kids. And I'm kind of curious that what the family that they came from and how that kind of, I don't know. I'm just sure I've never actually talked to anyone. So yeah, well, based on my dad's birthday, he would be a baby boomer. And then my mom is just past the cutoff for baby boomer, okay. but she was almost in there. Um, Your dad's born in the 60s, right? Yeah, both both in the 60s. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So my dad came from a poor family. Um, I It's hard for me to get details about the racist leanings of the family because people tried to deny that they had any part in what he became. So it's kind of hard to get people to be honest, but he was raised very poor and had an abusive father. And, um, I mean, just, just a difficult life. You you have a pretty disconnected family. I don't think that you even met any of your grandparents. Have you? I never met any of my grandparents. No, I see. Yeah. And then my mom, her, her dad was an attorney, um, and he had some money, I believe, but she disconnected from them when she was a teenager. It was also an abusive household. Everyone was pretty much drug addicts or alcoholics. Um, and so I think they just didn't have a lot of parental influence period. 
And so they started running with, you know, terrible crowds. Um, both of them dropped out of high school in 10th grade. They were in Southern California. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was where it was heating up at that time. Yeah, exactly. So I think not having um, parental influence coming from difficult backgrounds, um, probably having not probably definitely having mental illness and addiction issues uh all of that kind of combined with running with a particular crowd dropping out of school early right yeah kind of cooked up the the perfect scenario you know yeah yeah because because like i mean like look my grandparents were racist as shit mm-hmm. right as i assume like basically everyone who is white were basically especially if you come from you know more working class means right but just just making that switch to full-on white nationalism is just interesting yeah um what were the so how old were you when you moved to idaho i was five years old okay yeah and how were the like i were there a lot of families were you in like a kind of a compound or compound light like no, I mean, unfortunately, we actually moved to a neighborhood that was just a regular neighborhood in suburban Idaho. <laughs> and um, unfortunately for my neighbors, my parents, um, you know, hung a swastika flag outside the house and oh, wow. had Nazi. Yeah, they weren't low key. About yeah, it, man. They they had, were wow. yeah, my dad would wear the shotgun shells around his chest out front and have the guns out there and skinheads would come and fight in the front yard. We would have late night parties with kegs and i mean it was it was We're talking like a nice suburban neighborhood too right um yeah and <laughs> imagine that fucking shit going on yeah so my, my neighbors were not happy bands. yeah 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 it was not a good it was not a good thing um but i remember taking the road trip because we lived in southern idaho but Mm Aryan nations was in northern idaho so we would take the a road trip in my mom's truck with all the skinheads in the back and me and my brother would be back there yeah it's about seven or eight hours north of boise yeah take a road trip to um the congress the Aryan congress that they would have every year world congress yeah and uh, so I, I have memories of that, though, taking the road trip and You've all the Nazis farting in the car. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. What did your neighbors do? Like, I just sort of like, I don't know what I would do if like my neighbor unfurled like a swastika or like. Well, let me let me paint a little bit of a picture. <laughs> I don't I can't speak to the to the answer of the question, but I can say this. Her dad is not some little wilting violet. He's a fucking giant monster of a scary dude. Yeah. 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 No one would say anything to him. Or my mom, really. I mean, they were both six feet tall and, (laughs) you know, they were they were intimidating folks, you know. Yeah. just like Viking looking people, it sounds like. Yeah. And Um, the cops were always there anyway for domestic violence and stuff. So the cops knew them by first name. Um, You know, that's a bad situation. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it was it was kind of like, what can the neighbors do? You know, the cops are already being called all the time and you you live next to Nazis. But what happened when like. You know, after Oklahoma City, after like these groups started to get like recoed and put in jail and things like that, like because uh, I mean, like they they started to obviously like fall apart all over the country. I'm sort of curious, like what happened around you guys? 
Um, well, my mom, uh, that been right, right around 1995. So yeah. 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 I, they were, they kept in contact with a lot of the people who went to prison. So you know what the order is, the white supremacist group, the mm-hmm. order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they kept in contact via written prison communication with a lot of the white supremacists who went to prison that were members of the order. And my mom still communicates with those people that are in prison. Um, so I, I think it just became underground, you know, but they still mm-hmm. found ways to keep in contact because Aryan nations went away. It was no longer a, you know, stomping grounds that they had and people frowned upon the movement, obviously. And so they kind of had to not be as loud with it. Yeah. Yeah. I know you mentioned that you had a teacher that helped like de-radicalize you. What do you what do you think about de-radicalization efforts generally? Or if you have any thoughts on it or have, if, cause I know you obviously from your psychological background, but just generally your own experience and always very curious about that. Yeah. Well, and I think this is a good conversation for us to have because I know I reached out to you after I watched that Netflix documentary. I forgot the name of it. Um, with the woman who like went and visited all the Nazis and she showed how the Muslim woman. Yeah. She yeah. showed how her friendships right. with them. Um, it was like white, right. Or something. I don't know. Every single one of them though, are they've regretted their their past involvement i think yeah i i I don't know what the answer is and i don't think the answer would be the same for everybody so for me what happened was my dad left when i was like 12 and that was the best thing that ever happened to my family in terms of the violence stopping and a lot of the chaos stopped at that point Although financially, it was really difficult. Um, But my mom wasn't as active in the movement after that happened. It was primarily my dad who kept all that going. So I, I still held on to a lot of the beliefs. And I like I didn't believe the Holocaust actually happened until right. like ninth or 10th grade. Well, and you have no other choice to, then, than to believe that because you were always fucking taught that. That's what you're taught. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was kind of a slow breakdown of realizing that my parents weren't respectable people, that they hadn't taught me how the world actually is and that I wasn't existing in reality. And it was, it hurt my ego at times to be told these things. It's painful, yeah. you know, cause you have to admit, I don't know shit, <laughs> you know? And even as a kid that can feel really vulnerable. You have to relearn everything. Right. It's amazing. And yeah. so, and it was also a breakdown of, you know, I'm still living with my mom. I still love my mom. She's been through a lot. Um, at this time I felt that way. And, um, it was hard to have the breakdown happen while I'm living with this person who told me all that stuff, who still believes all this stuff, you know, but I think it just became the perfect storm of losing respect for them in a way. And then having respectable people come into my life, care about me and try to teach me what, what reality actually was. So when I watch those documentaries and that Muslim woman is going up to these men who are terrible people yeah, and they're yeah. adults, they're not kids. <laughs> yeah. um, and sometimes they weren't even indoctrinated from birth to believe these things. They were adults and they started believing these they things. They chose to believe that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then she befriends them and then they realize, oh, she's just like me or she's not terrible. Right. And she's Brown and we can be friends. 
I think that that's a really simplistic way of painting it and looking at it because I don't think it just takes befriending one person of color and then a white supremacist is no longer a white supremacist, you know? No, but being exposed to other people for sure is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But I think it's hard to also expect people to put themselves out there and try to befriend (laughs) certain members of certain groups. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. I personally don't particularly want to befriend adult Nazis. Right. So, well, we, you know. we, we, ne- on next episode, on episode 513, we're going to read an email from a listener who I had said that, I, look, I'm not going to fucking break bread with, with, with racists, with bigots. I just, yeah. I don't mind cutting them the fuck out of my life, whether they be blood or not. I don't care. And a listener pushed back. We're going to read the email. And he's like, well, then how are they supposed to, to come out of it if they don't have have experiences and relationships with people who are not like that uh and then he uses this i think this documentary as evidence that you know if they have friends with with black people then it's hard to hate black people well that's you know i uh, unfortunately white fucking jesse dollamore is not gonna be no is not no, gonna be yeah. uh, some catalyst for them thinking that black people are what they are which is normal everyday Americans who love their country just as fucking much as anybody else and are contributing to society just as much, if not more, because they're doing it from working from behind as anybody else. So I don't, I don't have, I don't feel shame or an obligation to fucking consort with. Well, also, yeah. And I think to Brittany, I think you're, you implied this and correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't, but like the people like, you have to, the person you talk to who has, you know, toxic beliefs, they have to have some level of like empathy already in them. Like mm-hmm. a lot of these people don't. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think like knocking your head against the wall, trying to convince someone not to be racist. Like, you know, my aunt's racist as shit. I'm not going to get her. She's like 74. I'm not going to be able to get her to not be racist. Right? right. Like that's not a good use of time, but someone like, you know, someone who's young and their mind is still developing. Like, I don't know. I think that's, you know, whether they were, you know, a young Islamic state fighter or, you know, in, you know, violent right-wing extremism, whatever it is, like, I, you know, if they're still young and if they're still, there's still, you know, have some kind of base level empathy, I think it's possible. But yeah. I think you're right. I think it is individual. But who does, yeah. it, who does it fall on though? Like, would well, you, are you, are you, would you, um, I use the word consort. Would would you you know I- interact with, have a relationship with, have a friendship with somebody who holds um, vile, racist, violent, racist um, beliefs? Jesse, I think my Twitter handle has proven that I am very adept at it, at talking to people with terrible, <laughs> violent, racist beliefs. You really maybe, connect with them, develop strong I friendships. Do. I do. Yeah, I do. yeah. You know, me, me and Identity Europa, we had a good three day chinwag. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and I do want to say I don't think the deconversion is going to happen on Twitter. So I think no. you know if people right. are, if people are going to criticize how you approach those individuals on Twitter, I don't think that that is necessarily um valid because you, it, that's not going to happen on twitter you know it it does need to be a close contact maybe face to face type thing um and i think that's why it's hard i i never want to generalize my story to other stories because mine is unique just like every other person's story and mine involves so much luck 
you know, um, where I just happened to be open to it. And I happened to have um, a crumbling family system where I was willing to accept outside help from people to try to guide me away from the path that I was on. So if people are in that position, I think it would be easier. But a lot of people aren't in that position. A lot of people are just adult, hateful people. And what do you do with that? For sure. I'm not quite sure. But I also don't think we should just give up because this is kind of a fight for truth, you know? Um, well, maybe, uh, maybe maybe the answer to to the the emailer's question, which we'll get to next episode again, is leave leave the relationship having with racists to people with that skill set because mm-hmm. I don't fucking have that skill set. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I don't think I would entrench them in their in their viewpoints, but I certainly wouldn't be helping the situation because you have other talents, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So sp- speaking, I'm glad we got back on the Twitter thing. Uh, it is one of the things I do enjoy, Ian, is is uh, mixing it up with some of the... Because you pick fights. I'm not saying pick fights. You uh, you mix it up with the identity of Europa, the, these these racists and these these internet uh, uh the intellectual dark web morons Ugh, yeah you, you do I that a much lot rather, i'd much rather talk to the nazis than the idw morons <laughs> but it's always nice to kind of get in there and uh you know uh throw you some support back you up a little bit yeah well i was it nice for you the last time you did that <laughs> didn't didn't seem quite the it yeah you're just a lightning rod i don't know what it is about you but like they just Go after you, man. I'm a. Uh, I ignore it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. You you do a better job of ignoring it than say me. Um, you, do you think wanna... you think it's because I'm a uh, more of a known entity? Because th- yeah, it's not I, like these guys know me on YouTube. It didn't seem. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you've probably come up once or twice on YouTube, but yeah, I think it's your, you have your whole name out there. Like they can Google you. Um, they really tend to like the fact that you have red hair. Apparently that's, uh, (laughs) that's a thing to them. Yeah. Um, the insults that I've never heard before. Oh my God. How original making fun of being, uh, an overweight redhead. Awesome. (laughs) Well, I mean, and like, and they all have like. They're all they all have Twitter handles like rational logic. Oh yeah, sixty nine with like fucking statues as their abbeys, like Roman statues or I don't know, like Sam Harris. Um, the last one, so to catch your your listeners up who hopefully don't have as much internet poisoning as you and I do, <laughs> and Brittany does very much so as well. We're all just completely we're in it. Brained, yeah, mm-hmm. at this point. Um, I was engaging this, I don't remember his name, but he got a little bit of burn in the IDW circles because he and two other academics or quasi academics, Brett Weinstein, Weinstein. No, it wasn't Brett Weinstein. It was, um, I kind of, I don't know his name. Uh, our, 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 our beloved friend, Ryan Bell has been on this. It's, it's these three guys. And that's how I found out about it. It's these three guys that through Coolette. Oh, it's James Lindsay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's what it was. Yes, yes. the fake academic studies yeah. that get published, and it it, should, it supposedly proves that like the ac- the the academy is corrupted and they'll publish anything. 
I mean, uh, of course, ignoring the fact the only journals he got into are things that no one's ever fucking heard of before. And they were also pay to publish journals. And they're pay to publish journals. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's <laughs> not real rigorous. <laughs> no, it's all horseshit. Of course. Him and, and Peter Bogosian. Yes. The other yeah. guy. Yeah. What and, I love yeah. about these guys, by the way, and this is this is super dude, you know, kind of misogynist, tough guy shit. But all of these guys who act like they're super they they prize, you know, traditional masculinity and like look, Peter Bogosian, we've been around that guy. He's like five foot five and he is like obsessed with MMA and and Brazilian oh. jiu-jitsu and shit. And then even James Lindsay has like his karate hands as his oh, as his profile yeah. picture. It's just which, which they're all the that. same fucking guy. Every one of these dudes is the same. They're just cut from the same cloth. Oh, no, they they are all just they just look completely unwell at all times if you ever meet any in real life they are they are not a, they they i would say they are kind of at a protein deficiency in their <laughs> diet um what's well, weird same with sam harris he's the same same type with the mma shit and the you know just be who you are man that's not you yeah no be be a trust fund baby that lives on golden girl money it's yeah you, you're not some fucking blood sucking war machine you're goddamn sam harris Calm down. Jesse, last time we did this, you lost uh, you lost a bunch of followers. Like, be very careful with the same. Yeah, that's fucking. That, was it? I think it was with you that that started. I think it's where it started. I felt very bad. After ah, fuck, whatever. If people, we don't need, we don't need that. I mean, and like he then he then like like within like a week of that, I think that's when he started going on like, you know, he just was on like a self-owning tantrum with, you know, the Ezra Klein stuff and just he he was having a very normal couple months, which he just doubled down on. Well, and it's it's been frustrating, actually, to watch because so uh, Sam Harris obviously was one of the most prominent atheists, the new atheists, right? Mm -hmm. Hitchens, Dawkins and Mm -hmm. Harris and Dennett and um, the four horsemen. Um, And they were held up as these prominent thinkers, these rational, reasonable intellectuals. And I I think that anyone who's paying attention can see how Sam Harris is really failing in this regard in so many ways. I mean, you had his Twitter exchanges recently where he was like, oh, really? I'm anti-Muslim. And then he tagged some Muslims that he's close with, you know? Yeah, Yeah, like, oh, I'm racist. I have black friends. I mean, are you really making that argument? And you're this, like, intellectual champion? You know, it's really, it's really disappointing. And it's actually sad that people become such tremendous fans of people that they spend hours of their day defending people that are not paying them for that like they're just doing that for free online you know it's very strange (laughs) to me it's cultish it's cultish behavior it's very weird it is very cultish but i have noticed and basically i I would say probably in the last year like you know there has been sort of a nice like realignment where like there's like there's obviously like those that that group is like very much entrenched in the idw and they can do their things where they you know they pull out their calipers and measure skull shapes and (laughs) richard dawkins can still like harass like some middle school kid about a science project until you know for whatever he can if that makes him happy go for it then it seems like there has been this realignment with like the i i don't i don't have a name for it but like i would say like the progressive atheist movements and you know i've seen like you guys obviously and Ryan and Secular Talk and Nice Mangoes and all these people who are really pushing back against that pretty 
pretty vociferously. And I don't know, that's been fun to see because they all sort of were like us in that we used to really like these guys and we used to like cheer them on. And it is so embarrassing how just, it's just how they just become so embarrassing. And it's nice to see this sort of realignment. I would say. Yeah. And I wish for sure. I wish people felt more comfortable, you know, admitting that someone that they once really liked is maybe no longer who they thought they were or no longer uh, so likable, you know, Um, but that would be too close to admitting you were wrong. And that's still too vulnerable for people to admit for some reason. Um, And I, I know we talked about kind of meeting online in a sense following each other right around the same time where we were you know just finding our atheism we had angry atheism and we've kind of evolved in our atheism at the same rate all of us all three of us yeah and it is interesting to see because we were talking last time you were on the show ian about your frustrations with the atheist community and we shared those frustrations and i have been seeing kind of this fracturing um, where you do have this more progressive element and then you have people who are resisting that. And I think if I could make a prognostication that the progressive movement, um, is going to win. Yeah, I'm, I agree a hundred percent, hundred percent, Brittany. There you go, Kathy. <laughs> I, I do agree with that, but I also think that just as the, what is now very commonly known as the new atheist with, you know, Sam Harris and these, this type, this mm-hmm. ilk, mm-hmm. I also believe that there is that too far swing to the left with some of the progressives where like Linda Sassour and, you know, the, the hijab is now like the symbol of women's liberation. That's what, in the, that's fucking bananas. It, we, we, we gotta be reasonable about what the fuck we're, what we're, we're standing for and what we're championing as, as, freedom as not being oppressed by a religious ideology yeah i know you probably disagree with me ian so lay, lay, lay it on me i don't uh, i don't disagree i would probably just try to make it a little more precise in that like no i don't like precision no i know that's true let me, let me just get frothingly mad no i mean like I, if an individual views the hijab as their connection to culture or their connection to their history or their own type of if they if they want to like reclaim it as as an empowering thing i think that's fine and powerful and it's up to them and it's not me to say but i think you to your point is right that for a lot of women they don't necessarily have that uh that power and and, and to be sort of mindful and if and for the people that you know, religion is used to crack down on on them, on their ability to organize and the, themselves as women. Like we need to be, we need to have solidarity with them. It's just, and and, and I think, and I would actually argue a little bit the opposite, but, but come to the same conclusion where you are, where it's, um, and this is not my original point, but like, because people, have, because some people have argued so forcefully against the hijab and things like that, who are just like racist, yeah. right? And just shitheads. Then it makes it for people who are progressive and do want to have solidarity with women in in countries who, uh, who the, who they themselves are, are, you know, religious laws are being pushed against them. It makes it hard to come to their defense because we don't want to be seen as being, you know, in league with these racist shitheads who just get mad anytime they see anything vaguely Islamic. So it's 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 complicated. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. And I I have 
experienced a little bit of that lately where there are people who um, I appreciate what they say on this issue, but they're a little too close to other things that right. I don't want to be close to. Yeah, yeah, so I don't sure. engage with their content, even though I somewhat agree with some of those things that they're saying. But then on other things, they're just too far right. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to be associated with you. Um, but I think what is concerning is, is also what Jesse said, that sometimes liberals can be a little too afraid to criticize Islam in any way because they are they don't want to be perceived as racist when there are legitimate things to criticize just as there are there with are. Christianity. Yeah. And um I've also seen this painted the opposite way where someone recently tweeted something like uh all of these Christians who are always going on and on about how women are oppressed in um, Muslim countries are talking about abortion in Georgia and fully support that. Yeah, no and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. where where are you with the women's rights when it's in America? You know, um, so you only care about it in other countries when it's a different religion, but you don't recognize it yourself. O- only if it serves to further your your bigotry. Uh, right. And anti-Islam attitudes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So all of these points are good. And it is hard to have this conversation. But I think it's good that we're all keeping each other in check. Right. Because we don't want to be hateful. We don't want to be racist. And it's important that people are now thinking, huh, is this overstepping? Right. And kind of checking themselves on those issues. Well, let me say this. I mean, not everybody. L- let me say, I have the same emotions when I view a woman in a hijab and her husband is in fucking flip-flops and shorts going down to the beach, I have the same feelings and emotions and anger about it that I do when I see like a woman who's a Pentecostal holiness lady who's like in pioneer gear and her husband is in fucking shorts and flip-flops. I have the same exact anger and bitterness about it because it's a woman who's being fucking subjugated who's being oppressed and the husband can fucking do what he wants to do for me it's the same thing crickets i I mean it's it's my same answer it depends right like i think look i i I think generally speaking like there's i mean there is objectively a big difference between someone who's just wearing a headscarf versus someone who's in full you know Nikob. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Like there's there's obviously a big difference there. And if if someone want and I don't know, maybe this is just because I grew up an Orthodox Christian and old ladies also wear headscarves, so I'm just sort of used to it. But if individuals want to wear headscarves and they and they view that as, you know, a liberator a liberatory thing, who am I to say otherwise, right? Or if they view it as like part of their culture or whatever. Yeah, for sure. But that's th- fine. But there are millions upon millions upon millions of women worldwide who do not have a choice, who fucking don't want to wear hijab. I will also say that the choice perspective is an interesting one because you could argue that, like, take the Mormon um, religion, for example, where there's also a purity, modesty culture Mm -hmm. that is heavily forced upon the girls from a young age, and they are taught that they need to cover their shoulders. You know, they can't wear spaghetti strap dresses. They have to wear the T-shirt under the spaghetti strap if they do wear a spaghetti strap. Um, They have to be covered, you know? And And so you could say, yeah, they're choosing to dress that way, but they're also choosing that because they're being told, like, 
you're going to make God really upset and you're going to make that dude horny yeah. over there. And it's your responsibility not to make that dude well, horny over all, there. Well, let's bring it back. It's like you. You chose to not believe that the Holocaust was a real thing. You chose that. But you didn't really fucking choose. It. That was put upon you as a child. Yeah. Yeah. We can keep. I think the problem with this, like, where the stuff gets circular, is you can keep going. Ian, right? Ian, can, Ian, just admit you're fucking wrong. That's all you have to do, brother. I have, <laughs> uh, as again, as my Twitter account proves, I'm super good at that. And <laughs> definitely, definitely not argumentative. <laughs> I think the, the, the the simple answer, I think, is like there are plenty of people in these countries that are working for women's rights. They're working for the betterment of the society as a whole. I think we need solidarity with those people and like, you know, and like real like de-radicalization things, not like bullshit people like, you know, Majid Nawaz who is pretend de-radicalization center, which has never to my knowledge, de-radicalized a single you mean, human you, being. You mean the, the Muslim Dave Rubin? Yes. <laughs> That is that is such an amazing dig. Holy shit! Dude. That just that just is, came to me. That's I'm that, gonna trademark it. You should just at anytime he says something stupid, just at him with that and see see how long it takes for him to block you. Because that well, is, I, is I, I do believe it, he that it's somewhat apropos because no, I think great. he's I think he's chasing the money, man. He's chasing the fame. Yeah. He's chasing the notoriety, just like Dave Rubin is. Because Dave Rubin. I used to watch his show when it first came out and he's gone fucking batshit. That guy is yeah. not, he's not an honest, earnest actor, man. No, fucking, not at all. I mean, they're, even Quillette is figuring it out. God damn. That, that has been the funniest thing. That has been so funny. Can we talk about that? A little yeah. Bit? yeah. It is well, but so let's, funny. let's give a little context to it uh, for the audience's sake. I think everybody knows what Quillette is, but Quillette published an essay or an article about Dave Rubin, they kind of just outed him as as what he is, and so that in was in the most in the most like kind of calm, not that accusatory, light criticism way imaginable, right? right. Like it was very delicate touch. It was easy. It was easy, it was, and he freaked out. The article basically said like the IDW prides itself on not being of one intellectual tradition or the other. It's about it's about the the only thing that combines it is the need for uh, free speech, essentially, right? And some guy did this thing where he put a graph together and showed everyone's positions in the IDW, you know, allegedly showing that, on general, if you look at just an issue-by-issue issue basis, they're more liberal than conservative. And the guy's point was basically, I don't know who the author was, but the guy's point was basically, that might be true, but that's not what defines if someone's conservative or liberal necessarily. It's how much emphasis they put on what do they talk about. So, yeah, Sam Harris and Dave Rubin or these people might all be pro-choice, but they don't spend their time talking about that. All they spend their time talking about are like, you know, the political correctness gone too far. Or the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the left doing something bad. Mm -hmm. And so and then this article like he just pointed out that like in Dave Rubin's case, on top of that, he's basically only having conservatives on. And when he does have people who are liberal on or left wing, all they do is talk about like when the left goes wrong. So it's not intellectually honest to say this is a left, you know, that he's a liberal or that he is he's critiquing. from the Well, left. if if he's a liberal, he's the only liberal that Donald Trump Jr. is liking every single fucking one of his tweets. Get yeah, the and, fuck out and, of here that he's liberal. Come and then on. Dave Rubin is retweeting Donald Trump Jr., the most divorced man alive. It's incredible. Right. 
Well, it's also yeah. fascinating with Dave Rubin, that video of him talking to Ben Shapiro. And he has this Both relationship with Ben Shapiro where he Ben Shapiro would not come to like a backyard barbecue because it would be a gay barbecue because right. Dave Rubin's gay. And he calls it like a gay barbecue. And Dave Rubin has to tell him like, no, it's not a gay barbecue. It's just at my house, you know, like with nothing gay will be happening there. And Ben Shapiro is still suspect of attending an event at his house because he's gay. Well, but you know he why? still maintains a relationship with him. It's because I'm popular and no one knows who you are. So yeah. It's just also a strange... Been, this has been such a good week. <laughs> it's just such a strange thing. He like has relationships with these people who think that he's an abomination and he's continuing to do that yeah i mean just to to understand dave rubin like one i am sort of fascinated by him one he's an incredibly stupid person right like he is not a smart guy he's he's very limited but he's but he's smart enough to know he's 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 but he's also very cynical and he's smart enough to know where the money is and he's smart enough to know to ask the right questions and he's smart enough generally not to know that he can't actually get into debates with people he doesn't really know anything, so he avoids that at all costs. So I think he is different than Majid in, in that respect. Because I do think Majid is very cynical himself, but he is he's clever. Like I have to give it to him. Like he can do a debate and he can put the talking points well. Like, Who, who's that? Imagine Nawaz? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like Dave can't do that. And but but the Ben Shapiro thing, because they're two clips or sister clips, because they did one and then a year later. And because the first one, like Ben, you know, Dave's like, if you know, I was coming, if I was having a party, would you come? If it was an anniversary party, and Ben said no because he's religious. Um, and an anniversary party is a celebration of gay marriage, which is an abomination. And you see, there's oh, this minute where Dave Rubin, his humanity sort of comes to him, and he's hurt, and he like, and he kind of pauses, and he kind of sh- he kind of stutters a little bit, and then. It goes away and he, he keeps going back for it. But then what yeah, the clip Brittany talked about is like a year later and he brings it up again. And Dave has that same moment where he can tell that like that he's talking to a bigot and he's he's kind of shocked that like he just inviting him to a barbecue, Ben immediately thinks it's a gay barbecue. Mm-hmm. He and doesn't mind I, going on the gay talk show. And furthering his message because he's a fucking liar. Mm-hmm. But you know, the gay barbecue's out of the question. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah it's it it's amazing to watch him i mean like you know you guys messed up you went further left than when you started if, if, if you would have gone further right there's this beautiful coke money just waiting we would have been you. cashing all kinds of checks it's yeah yeah i well, mean it just costs you your soul yeah but. <laughs> well with how liberal all of these individuals in the intellectual dark web are i'm interested to see who they'll be supporting for the 2020 election oh yeah yeah so well, the- you, you can guarantee they're going to be fucking silent they're not going to support any of the Democrats, mm-hmm. but they won't. I don't think they'll go as far as to endorse Donald Trump. That would be my prediction. I think Dave Rubin will endorse Donald Trump. Really? I think. Wow. Yeah, that's that's my bet. Because, I mean, he's already he's because he's because your point, he's getting more and more right. He's already he told Ben Shapiro in that same episode that Ben might have convinced him to become pro-life now. Oh, my so God. I, so, yeah, like well, I said, I, I've immersed myself. In we'll, this. we'll set you up for the. uh <laughs> Oh, that doesn't oh, work. It's the remix. <laughs> For the horns. <laughs> we will set you up to toot your own horn if you're right. We're making a bet right now yeah. as to where this will go down. Because I, maybe I have too much faith in Dave Rubin. I don't think he will. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. We'll see. But I'm interested, Ian, you probably don't want to answer this question, but is there anybody that you are definitely ruling out in terms of 2020 candidates? And is, Other than Donald Trump. Is there like a, <laughs> do you have like a top three that maybe you would want to talk about or do you not want to, you not want to hey, reveal your, talk, your I thoughts? Talk, I, can talk, I can talk about it. Right. Um, He's a Bernie guy. <laughs> uh, is there anyone I'm ruling out? Look, Whoever gets the nomination, I will vote for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will hold. There are a lot of them I would rather not get the nomination. Us I will too. Hold my nose. But, but yeah, I mean, my top three are, you know, you can guess them. It's Bernie, uh, it's Liz Warren, and um, I don't know. It's 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 Bernie and Liz at like one and two, and then there's a massive gulf between the next lot. I and Joe love- Biden. Joe Biden's your guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that ticket flip. I would love to see that ticket flipped. I'd love to see a Warren Sanders ticket. Uh, I don't. I don't think uh, Bernie has the has it in him to take one for the team and and go on as the VP, though. Well, Bernie's also more popular, right? So it wouldn't make sense. Well, it, make, it makes a lot of sense because he's going to fucking die in 10 minutes. Well, I'm hoping also that the exposure that Elizabeth Warren gets over the coming months will help her a little bit. And I also there's gets exposure. Yeah, there's been a lot of attention that I that I have seen being paid to um, the role of sexism in the election and the certain questions that are being asked of female candidates versus male candidates, uh, how female candidates are talked about in terms of their personality and likability. Whereas men don't have to have this conversation about likability and personality. So there's a lot of attention being paid on how are we talking about the female candidates versus the male candidates. And I think as people become more aware of their own biases and how they're talking about the candidates themselves or thinking about the candidates, that that will start to evolve a little bit in terms of additional support for Elizabeth Warren. At least I'm hoping. That's my optimism. That's very optimistic. I hope you're right. It seems to me that that personality question, it kind of just came to me that if you're a woman Having this likable, good personality is a fucking requisite. You must have that. That is a requirement. And it's a bonus if you're a dude. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like Pete Buttigieg, who Mm -hmm. who I like. I think he's unqualified to be president. But um, he always speaks all these languages. He's super nice. He's affable. What a bonus. But, But Elizabeth Warren... It, why is she not friendly? Why is she not smiling? Kamala Harris, same, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, a wicked double standard. Yeah, for sure. I read, I read a great article. Um, I think it was by Alex Perrine. It was called like the myth of elect- electability. Mm-hmm. Basically, the thesis. I really agree with the thesis. And like what what the art like the argument is basically like w- this whole time we've been we've been like preconditioned to like to to vote for the person we think is most electable the one that like the mythical person in the center or the mythical person who doesn't uh who who's an independent or that god forbid a mythical person from the other party would be willing to vote for and you vote for that person and that's your best ticket to win and what we learned in 2016 or what we should have learned in 2016 is that doesn't work right like we, we we're very bad at figuring out what people other people other than ourselves like and who they want and things like that like we no one saw 2016 coming right and so what we should have learned is like whoever you like most that's who you vote for let the chips fall where they may like let's let's like let's have a battle of ideas personalities whatever but what i'm worried is happening is and what the the article argues is is no, we're doubling down on electability. It's like, well, 
their racist old white guy beat our woman. So therefore we can't have a woman. Yeah. What we need is our own old white guy who's probably a bit racist, but definitely less racist. So that's better. And so all of a sudden that's why, you know, despite the fact I would argue is an incredibly weak candidate, Biden is by all accounts, the front runner. Unfortunately, yeah. And I, I I agree with the thesis of that article, too, even though I didn't read it. <laughs> um, but I appreciate that summary, because when people do think about electability, they are looking at the people who have been elected president in the past. Well, who are those people? Pr- predominantly white men. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we keep on thinking, well, who's going to get elected? Well, is it always going to be white men? then? Yeah. 43 white dudes. And one black guy. Yeah. We got a pretty solid track record of what what, what is electable right. in, in American history. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people have this defeatist attitude already when it's the beginning. And you have a chance to get out there and convince people we have time, man. Yeah. You well, know? It's, it's such a bummer because we've got Donald Trump, the white guy who won't apologize for fucking anything. And then on the Democrat side, we've got the white guy who won't apologize for anything. Mm-hmm. Even... Yeah obvious fuck-ups in his career like the way he handled anita hill anita hill yeah i mean he's just his i don't have empathy for the millennial generation i'm sorry they don't have it hard it's just fucking weird man it's a weird and i think it's his team they see that works for middle america that works for that silent majority uh generation uh, and you know the rust belt crowd that works for them they fucking liked it oh that's tough he's standing his ground and so they're gonna they're gonna exploit it and and so far it works and also because the media is complicit right now cnn all these fucking outlets are giving him tons of time and setting him up as the guy trump fears the most which has got to titillate liberals all over the country right yeah yeah and, and like i'm suspicious of this polling because they still primarily are polls from landlines and it's like 500 people with landline and like those people are gonna skew old right? of course they s- are like it's it's I just like uh, <laughs> we can the, the, the frustration is palpable, Ian. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like I I hope you're right. Like I I uh, though Bernie's my guy. I also support Warren. I donated to both campaigns. I hope um, Warren gained some traction because I I wanted to. Basically, the reason I supported her is because she's putting out very good proposals. You guys yeah. have talked about it on the podcast already, but like I don't know. I want to reward that. Um, we all should. We should all want to reward people who actually fucking have a plan for whatever it is that they're talking about. Whatever problem that faces America, we should all be like, oh, well, oh, you're talking in platitudes? You're not my person. Oh, Elizabeth Warren actually has it, something that you can initiate on day one? Fuck yeah. That's my that's my that's my gal. Well, did you see that video of Joe Biden making the rounds on Twitter where he said, uh, quote, if you go out and bundle 250 K for me, all legal, and then you call me after I'm elected and say, Joe, I'd like to talk to you about something. I'm going to say, come on in. It's human nature. (laughs) Dude, what are you doing? (laughs) I mean, I I guess I respect that it's at least in the open. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So is Donald Trump's racism. You don't have to respect it. I know. I know. How I know. dare yeah. you try to make a joke that I just stepped on? Fuck you, Ian. <laughs> Jesse hates jokes. Okay, everything, well, everything has to be taken very serious and very literal uh, on this program. The, all the IDW nerds out there, Jesse was the one who made fun of that guy's karate. So please go uh, attack him right now. And- very funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was that was still. Well, it's, I, well, it's also like I'm obviously joking. It's like when I call people names on on YouTube in my videos. It's that's not an argument that I'm making. I make an argument in almost every video. The 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 name calling is just kind of a like a cherry. It's just like a little treat, along with the the, the meat and potatoes, dicks. Yeah, and also like you dumbasses. That's not actually uh, an ad hominem. Your favorite fucking thing to say because like. An ad hominem means you don't make an argument, you just attack the person. You make an argument and you attack the person. Yeah, so right. it's not an ad hominem, you're just making fun of them. Well, it's so very he, funny. and when when they push back at me about me being this guy, ha ha ha, he's making fun of this guy's looks. Touche. We I got you, brother. I like that tweet cuz that's yes. I get it. Brittany's bored. Well, I'm no, I'm not. I'm just I'm curious because so we've talked about Ian's Twitter account a lot and he tends to be um, not engaging in like genuine uh, debates <laughs> with people. Um, although you used to, Ian, you used to do that on Facebook and, and things I like did. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you ever try to do that, like engage in, in debates and actually try to change people's perspectives or is that a thing of the past for you? Um, it depends on the person. Sometimes like someone, I, I will respond with something mocky and they come back and like, well, and, and they, there's like an earnestness there. And if like, if there's an actual earnestness there and like a good faith and like, yeah, why not? I, I'd rather not work on whatever my actual job is. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you. Do you um, how many times have you asked Charlie Kirk whether he fucks or not? <laughs> How many? I mean, hundreds of times. You think thousands or of times. It's, it, it's getting up there. It's getting up there. And well, it, did you see? So one of my favorite things is uh, now people have been saying that Ben Shapiro is a virgin. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> no, it's pretty, that it's is pretty funny. Part of the abortion thing, I guess. Like someone said, you know, some woman rightly pointed out that like six, you know, the Georgia law, like six weeks late, like that happens with periods somewhat frequently for lots of women. And he was like, uh, guess you guys don't know what pregnancy is is like. And then so everyone's like, holy shit, Ben Shapiro, you must have never had sex. <laughs> and then it's just sort of taken a life of its own. It's pretty great. He's uh, uh, he's the worst. He is one he of really the worst. Is. Yeah. Th that moment yeah. in that interview, which we're I think we're going to talk about next episode, probably yeah, is, is just so fucking tasty. Oh, I'm yeah. popular and no one knows who you are. Rock star argument, you debate champion. Well, Jesus Christ. And that that's what's a bummer is a lot of these people have become like celebrities. And really, if you look at them, you, all you have to do is peel back a thin layer. And they are just, you know, little insecure individuals who have gotten lucky and been given this platform. And they're all using it in a terrible way to indoctrinate people into terrible belief systems. Well, and that's literally true about Ben. I mean, my ex went to middle school with him. Oh, in, wow. Uh, in LA. Yeah. And like, and like nothing I tell you is going to surprise you, right? Like, did he wear suits? Of course he did. Um, did <laughs> in middle did, school? Did, yeah. Did everyone hate him? Obviously. And like, and like part of his grift was talking about how like, you know, he went to Harvard law at like 20, went to college, at like young, but 16. Like, yeah. UCLA. Yeah, but, 
but but that's not because he was the smartest kid ever. It's because like because I I know this for a fact because again my ex went there and she would talk about it. Like kids in that school, their parents push to skip them all the time. It's his dad pushed him to be skipped and pushed him through. And you do that, and you make enough way, and it comes from wealth. Like that'll happen. Yeah. And then yeah, and like you know he's bankrolled by a billionaire on his stupid bullshit website, whatever the fuck it's called. I can't remember. Well, that's what um, that was great about that art that 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 uh, interview is because he's they're asking him about you know you destroyed Ben Shapiro destroys this or that, and he's like, why are you asking me about a video that I didn't title? And it's like it's it's a Daily Wire video guy. Wire. It's your yeah. organization that titled it and posted it to your YouTube channel. What do you mean you're not responsible for it? You disingenuous freak Ugh. sorry guys i don't think there's no. any any better time to end than there Brittany yeah, is, I Brittany think, is I think literally can... face palming <laughs> i'm Brittany. i'm sorry <laughs> how could you not when this is the topic am i right yeah so um we appreciate you is it well uh, let me ask you this is there anything we didn't uh bullshit about that you uh that you were just champing at the bit to get to? This has been a blast. I love coming. I love talking to you guys. It's always we a good time. We love talking to you, too. Well, at Team Ian on Twitter, we appreciate you coming on, sir. As always. It is always a good time. And uh, we will for sure be having you back to f- once we find out who's right or wrong about the uh, the endorsements. Yeah, we need to write down that time. Make sure we come back to that. I wrote it down. Oh, okay. You guys have. To, are you going? Are you betting that no, none of the IDW are, are endorsing anyone? Yeah. Well, uh, we. I think we we narrowed the bet when you said that about Dave Rubin. I think that's going to be the bet. But okay. I don't think any of the the IDW people are going to endorse anyone. Like they're not going to say, "Oh, I'm I'm supporting Bernie. I'm supporting blah blah blah." Um, they're not going to do that. But they're also going to avoid condemning. Or they're they're not going to endorse Donald Trump, but they're also not going to crit- criticize him at all. They could endorse Yang. That's the only one I was thinking hmm. of that they might endorse. Yeah, that's that's probably likely for sure. Um, also, Sam Harris endorsed Hillary Clinton last time. His big thing, um, you know, some people really care about climate change. Some people really care about abortion. It's really important to him that politicians uh, use the phrase Islamic terrorism, uh, oh radical Islamic terrorism. Yes. And so yes. he will probably make the his decision based theory. on that. Yeah. So whichever well, candidate uses that phrase, I think, will be the one that he votes for. Well, I mean, Trump used it, and now he's made America great again. So <laughs> it well, was that easy. Well, that I just there, there, there's also there's not the same push or or effort to call it what it is: white nationalism, terrorism. They're not doing that. That's not the call. You have to look. We got to make sure you know that Muslims are bad. That that's where the threat is. It's not the fact that more people are. I'm going off on a fucking thing. Anyway, thanks for being here, buddy. We appreciate you always coming on the show. That is the perfect ending. Thank you both so much. <laughs> All right, man. All right, cheers. Well, like I said uh, before, we went into the interview. I think you'll like it. I think you'll enjoy it. I did like and enjoy the talk. We actually could have gone on after after we we signed off. Mm-hmm. For the show, we signed off, and then we kept talking for maybe another half hour. Mm-hmm. It just ah, it's when a conversation goes like that, it's a it's a good time. 
Well, it's also the good the good thing about the internet, right? There's so many terrible things about it, yeah. but when you are able to connect with people that you would never otherwise meet, that's a really exciting thing. And we're happy to be connected to Ian. And we would recommend that everyone who appreciates the show go and follow at Team Ian on Twitter. There's a link in the show notes. Yeah. And uh, like his tweets and <laughs> engage with him. I'm sure that he would be happy to hear from you. All right. Well, we're going to leave you there. We appreciate you guys. Listen, to if you want to be a part of creating bonus content like this, if you want to be a part of creating regular content like we do, our, our, our regular two episodes a week, and the YouTube videos, we would invite you to help support the show on Patreon. Go to teamdollamore.com or dollamore.com slash Patreon. Both of those will redirect you to our Patreon site where you can give two bucks a month, three bucks a month, 25 bucks a month, whatever is in your budget. If you are in the condition, if you're in the financial space to do it, we would really love you to do it. If you're not, do not do it. Do not even stress about not doing it. Uh, this program will always be free uh, because that is about what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Way to sell us. I am a consummate salesman, Brittany. Mm hmm. Anyway, we love you guys. We're going to see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. And for Team Ian, this has been I Doubt. <laughs>